Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. And today, you can tell there's another, a different tone to this podcast. That is because our Boston Celtics, your, my, our Boston Celtics have made it to the NBA Finals. Which means there's only one person I can have on this podcast to break down the NBA Finals. None other than Squid, Anthony Gabriella. Squid, how we doing, my man? Oh, man. Well, if you've been following me on Twitter, I've been talking about running through brick walls for a couple of days now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm a little banged up with bruises, but I am just <laughs> I'm ready to go, baby. Hey, you're Marcus Smart. You're Robert Williams. You're battered. You're bruised, but you are full speed ahead. Man, I had a I had a duel with Miami Heat Twitter, and I am just ready to freaking go, man. <laughs> that is absolute facts. So, who are the Celtics playing in the NBA Finals? They are playing the Golden State Warriors. So, real quick, let's recap how we got here. So. How did Golden State make it to the finals? They honestly were on cruise control the entirety of the Western Conference portion of the playoffs. They defeated the Denver Nuggets in a gentleman's sweep in five. And honestly, they could probably could have finished it in four. They just didn't feel like finishing out in Denver. Won it in five at home. Played Memphis in the second round. Won it in six. Absolutely could have won it in five, but they didn't, again, didn't feel like showing up to game five in Memphis, got annihilated by 52 in that game, and then just casually handled business in game six. No sweat about it. Yes, John Morant was hurt in that series. Um, I think a, a healthy John Morant could have could have pushed that series further. Um, but once again, Golden State was just, too much for a young, inexperienced Memphis Grizzlies team to handle. And then they played unexpectedly, I might say, a Dallas Mavericks team in the Western Conference Finals. But once again, handled them in five. Gentlemen's sweep. Probably could have finished them in four. Didn't feel like finishing it out in Dallas. Took care of business once again at home in five. Our Boston Celtics, we've already documented that. In a previous pod, they swept Brooklyn in four, took care of Milwaukee in a brutal seven-game series that needed a game six victory on the road, followed by a dominant game seven performance to close it out. And they ended up playing the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. And after another back-and-forth series, just haymakers back-and-forth, Injuries starting to pile up on both sides. Fatigue as well. Celtics finally closed out the Miami Heat. Took seven games. They blew their chance to close out the series in six at home. But they got the job done on the road in game seven to advance to the NBA Finals for the first time in over a decade. So, Squid, with that being said, We've got Celtics and Warriors 2022 NBA Finals. It's the first finals matchup 
between the top two teams in defensive efficiency since 1996 when the Bulls took down the then Seattle Supersonics. So it, it's been a while since defense, top-tier defense, made it all the way from each side of the bracket. So before we get into sort of breaking down every part of this series, what are your initial takeaways going into this series? Initial thoughts. Oh man, there's a million thoughts. And I, you know, it's a matchup I've been predicting since the end of the regular season. I thought this would be the NBA finals and here we are. I was never too much of a buyer into Phoenix. And I just kind of figured Golden State would be the team. Not because I think Golden State's like a world beater and no one can touch him, but just because I just thought the West was a little weekend. Uh, yeah, they, they exploited it, as you, as you mentioned. Um, I think their path was a little bit Mickey Mouse, personally. Um, you know, a little a little uh, Denver team without two star players. Uh, so pretty much they got Jokic alone. And then you get a uh, Memphis team that you loved with no John Morant for most of that series, which obviously mm-hmm. hurt them. Um, and then a Dallas team that was actually kind of just luck, lucky, happy to be there, had no business being in the conference finals, even though I predicted they would be because Phoenix. But, you know, I've been see- I think Chris Paul did get hurt during that series. And I just think Dallas mm-hmm. got lucky they won. And uh, Golden State Cottage had an easy conference finals, which obviously you saw unfold. Dallas. So my biggest thing is, like, I think I've, I'm seeing a lot of people predicting the Golden State Warriors is going to absolutely roll the Celtics in the series. But I, I, I don't know why. And that's because people are like, well, they, they're, they've destroyed everyone in their path. But at this point, Golden State hasn't seen a, seen a team even close to the Celtics. I really don't believe they have. Um, and there's one main reason for that. I mean, I just pulling from the numbers, there's one stat I'm really liking, and it's that uh, Boston is kind of a – I mean, uh, sorry, Golden State is a team that played Dallas last series where Dallas had the same percentage of wide-open threes. So there's a stat where it's like, they consider wide open, no one within four feet of you. Dallas had the same percentage of wide open threes as the previous two series, and Dallas just simply missed those shots all series long. Um, a lot of wide open misses, um, and that's not because of Golden State's defense, it's just because Dallas didn't have the firepower at the end of the day. And that's something Boston does have. So I think, obviously, a key is, can Boston's offense kind of keep up? I mean, I didn't think Boston's offense super impressive last series against the Heat mainly because the Heat, I think, are a great matchup for the Celtics as far as their guards get up into you and they really bother the players in the perimeter where Golden State is a good defense, but not in the same lens where they're a little more, you know, um, they, they, they just play savvy, smart, good position defense and not they don't get up into you and really try to, like, play make it a football hand-checking, like, 90s-style basketball game, which is kind of cool. I think it's going to be refreshing for the Jays. Uh, I just really, it's going to come down to the Celtics' offense versus the Warriors' defense, in my opinion, because we know what we're getting on the other side. Mm-hmm. And what you're getting on the other side is a top 10 offense in the league. I Not by def- offensive efficiency, but like, I mean, it's Curry, it's Clay Compton, it's the emergence of, of Jordan Poole and other guys like Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins going up against the league's number one defense in the league. Uh, that You know what you're getting there. But yeah, what will the Celtics on offense be able to do against a Golden State defense that has been kind of sneaky good, at least from a statistics standpoint. Uh, So that's definitely going to be huge. Let's start breaking down the matchup for the series bit by bit, starting 
with the starting five. So, Squid, when you look at the starting five for each team, and I'm, just in case there's any doubt, starting five, presumably, for each team will be, you'll get for the Warriors, it'll be Curry, Thompson, uh, Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. For our Celtics, it'll be Tatum, Brown, Horford, Smart, and Robert Williams. So who where, who has the advantage just simply in terms of the starting five? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great question. Um, I think where the Warriors have the advantage more players throughout the lineup, but when it strictly comes to starting five, if you, I mean, on paper, maybe the Warriors have better chemistry, but on paper, I like the Celtics. I think the Celtics have an advantage with the starting fives. Um, starting with Smart versus Curry, I mean, Curry's obviously a player advantage there. However, it's great to have a deep play on the other side. Now, I don't actually know if this is Smart's ideal matchup from a defensive standpoint, mainly because I feel like Smart's a defender where he can cover one through four dash five. And like Smart's amazing at cover, covering bigger guys for not for being a point guard. When it comes to the faster, you know, twitchy shooting point guards, I actually think Smart's, that's not his ideal defensive standpoint. So I do give Curry that advantage in that matchup. However, I think Smart will be up to the challenge. Uh, he just went to the Kyle Lowry school of dark arts, dark magic, whatever you want to say it is, of flopping and whatever that may be. And I, he's definitely going to take it into the series of uh, just, you know, selling stuff. He's, I mean, he's he's Kyle Lowry's Padawan. Um, it's crazy. Uh, I So it, it, regardless, I think Smart's going to, I mean, advantage party there, first off. Then you go down the line and I start, that's what it flips. Uh Going to the two, it's Jalen Brown, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson's the better shooter. However, every other aspect of the game, I thoroughly believe Jalen Brown is a better player at this point in their career. Um, Clay Thompson is still a great offensive player, but he is kind of a shell of himself on defense. He can guard the four position decent, but when it comes to guarding a you know a quicker, twitchier guard like Jalen Brown, he can't move his feet fast enough at the, just because the Achilles and the ACL tear back to back here. It's obviously very unfortunate for him. But I really like where we're at uh, with that Jalen versus Clay matchup. Um, going to the three, Tatum, Wiggins, you know the answer there. Tatum, I mean, Tatum's a better player than Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins will give him challenges to ultimately Tatum will prevail in that matchup. Uh, moving to the four, this is the most interesting, in my opinion, and the pivotal matchup of the series, which is Draymond Green versus uh Al Horford. Al Horford is the I mean, he's a good shooter. He'll keep Draymond out of the paint, which should allow the Celtics to get to the paint. Um and then on the other side, I think Draymond struggles on offense, but you know, we'll see. I, I mean I, I think if, if Williams healthy, he's gonna dominate. I mean he's gonna dominate Kevon Looney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you're looking at the starting five, there are definitely a couple of key questions that need to be answered first off you've got the warriors on from their side of things they've been very well rested they haven't had to overextend their starters to much of a degree and when you've got guys like curry and thompson who have missed plenty and i mean plenty of games due to injury the question becomes can you rely on them to play heavy minutes over an extended series, especially for Clay Thompson. Is that Achilles going to hold up if he is forced to play upper 30s, close to 40 minutes a game? Can he do that? 
only time will tell because he hasn't really been forced to play those minutes over a consistent series. So can the Celtics force Golden State to have to overextend their starting lineup and not be able to kind of de- deploy the bench and keep their starters fresh throughout the game? Uh, for the Celtics, I think Robert Williams' health is going to be a massive massive key in this series because if he is able to be his usual self, the guy he was before the knee injuries and the, and the bone bruise that you're getting a guy that is going to pretty much deny almost anything in the paint and is going to alter shots in shot arcs and is going to make life difficult for the warriors and kind of make them, more one-dimensional in a sense that they're going to just have to be more of a jump shooting team. And that's not to say that that's the golden state warriors won't mind that because they are arguably the best jump shooting basketball team on the planet right now. But if you make them one dimensional that you're only making things easier for the number one defense in the league to lock in and anticipate what each what you're going to do to try and attack on the offensive end. So I think there, there's just so much just questions in the air in terms of injuries. You know, how healthy is Marcus Smart with all those injuries starting to pile up? Is is If he is close to 100%, which if you go by his game seven against Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals, he should be pretty close to 100% by, come the start of this series. Uh, being able to play 41 minutes, drop four, 24 points in a fairly efficient shooting manner, play some really great defense as well. I, I think that's going to be huge. You need him to be able to contain, not stop. You're not going to stop Stephen Curry. You have to be able to contain him from time to time, limit the damage. You can't let him go nuclear on you. So I think that injuries are going to, kind of rear their head, not in the sense of people going down and missing games, but just limiting and hampering players at some point in the series moving forward through to the end. Just just all like you said at the beginning, bumps and bruises are going to really start to show themselves in this series. Uh, so that being said, looking at the two starting lineups overall, I think – it's interesting that Golden State has almost 100 games of NBA Finals experience just from their starting five alone. And the Celtics obviously have none because the Celtics have literally, across their entire roster, no NBA Finals experience whatsoever. So will that be a blessing or a curse? If this series is short, perhaps it won't matter. But if this series goes deep, Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, because the Celtics have already played two game sevens. So what's another one on the grandest stage of them all? But if it, so, it, but it's also the NBA Finals and you haven't been on this stage. So I, I really, I am just fascinated by the, the clash of just a, a, a dynasty that is trying to reestablish itself and a young core, a young team that has finally broken the ceiling that they couldn't smash before and is now trying to break through the ultimate ceiling and get that championship. So I think I have to give the tip of the cap to the golden state warriors 
just on an experience because I personally always seem, I, I think I always prefer to have that experience rather than to not have experience in a situation. So I think if I'm going to lean on to either side, I think I have to lean a little bit towards Golden State just because they've been here and they've done that. Squid, let's let's move on to the bench. So obviously Udoka and the Celtics have been rolling an eight-man rotation throughout the playoffs. Doesn't matter who's in and who is out and who's available for the Celtics. They've pretty much been rolling with seven, eight guys top. So only a couple guys are coming in off the bench. Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, and Grant Williams. If Robert Williams is out, they'll add Tice to the rotation. But that's pretty much it. So whereas the Warriors have had the luxury of being able to run out, I believe, 10 guys uh, for double-digit minutes off the bench. Or, I'm sorry, seven guys off the bench for double-digit minutes per game in this postseason. Now, some of that is a a matter of fact. Andre Iguodala has only played three games this postseason and 14 minutes apiece. Uh, So he hasn't really done anything this postseason run. But he's also a former NBA Finals MVP. People forget about that. Um, I I look at – when you look at the bench, I think it's just a matter of do you prefer – the depth that Golden State seems to have, although it is a little bit pushed right now due to injury, or do you like the shortened rotation that the Celtics have? I think that's definitely the biggest question. Uh, so, Squid, if you're there, I know you're, you're experiencing some technical difficulties, uh, but if you're there, do you have a a preference on bench here? Do you do you lean with the Warriors or do you lean with the Celtics? Absolutely. Uh, sorry about those technical difficulties. Uh, I, I live in the middle of nowhere and Spectrum Wi-Fi sucks. Uh, <laughs> um, so sorry if I keep cutting in. Oh, uh, um, uh, no. Yeah, I, the, bench, the benches are a great, a great question because Golden State has the deeper bench, that's for sure, as far as like overall players. Can you hear me? Yep. Sorry, but I, I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> hey, I, we'll I, fight I, through. We're going to fight through this one. All right. I'm on, I'm on hour 25 of being awake. Your Wi-Fi is acting like it's been awake for 8 million hours. So we're going to fight through this. Oh, yeah. The Wi-Fi has been turned off. I'm, I'm going straight cellular, cellular data, now, data now, trying to fight through with that because the Wi-Fi <laughs> is so bad. Um, okay. So... I just think that the Warriors bench is deeper. The Celtics bench, I mean, will Pritchard and Williams show up is the real question because we know White will. Derek White's going to be there on defense. He'll have his up and down offensive games. It comes down to Pritchard and Williams, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at Grant Williams, he's had he had his moments in the Eastern semifinals against the Bucks, but – he really didn't do a heck of a lot, at least from the offensive end in that series against the Heat. I think you really need to see him step up and be a contributor off the bench offensively in order for the Celtics to, 
to feel good about their chances in this one. But yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I, I think you've got to lean Warriors on this one as well. Mostly, though, just because of Jordan Poole coming off the bench, a six-man that plays the amount of minutes that he does and has the ability to score at what I, I would have to say is an elite level now uh, is just something you can't, you can't dismiss. The guy is averaging nearly 20 points per game off the bench, uh, nearly five assists, three rebounds, and he's doing it at a fairly efficient clip, shooting 53% from the field, 39% from three, 92% from the free throw line, averaging, uh, let's see here, almost over two threes a game off the bench. I mean, that's just something the Celtics don't have consistently from one guy off the bench. So for that reason alone, you almost have to have to lean Warriors just for that. And then you look at guys that are capable of stepping up and contributing for the Warriors off the bench. Otto Porter Jr., when he's not hurt, which, I mean, let's be honest, is usually a, an issue for him. But when he's healthy, he's a solid contributor for that team. Gary Payton II was kind of having a breakout season for the Warriors, developing into a real serviceable piece for them off the bench until he hit that injury in the second round against Memphis. If he's able to return and be what he was prior to the injury, they're going to get some really good minutes out of him on both ends of the floor. He's, he's a two-way player for sure. Um, so that's, that's going to be something I'm, I'm going to be watching is what kind of, what does Gary Payton have in the tank? How quickly is he able to recover? And then for the Celtics, like you said, Squid, you need Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams to step up, especially on the offensive end. Cause if you, if your bench is just does not have any firepower to then you're just relying on the starters to give you the majority or all of your scoring, you're not going to be able to keep up with the Golden State Warriors offensively. And this series is going to get out of hand real quick. Absolutely. And I, and I, I think Peyton Pritchard is such a good shooter. It's at times where if you can keep him on the floor in this series, he is going to be absolutely key. Mm -hmm. Now let's, let's just talk offensive and defensively each team as a whole. So let's start on offense. Which side do you lean on squid? Do you lean Celtics or do you lean warriors for this matchup? Yeah, I, I edge the warriors. I mean, Poole, Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, just a better offense, to be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. What about defensively? Yeah, defensively, I, I mean, I think the Celtics are far and away the better defensive team. I don't, I mean, I don't think they're that, that close on defense. Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I, would, I would agree with you definitely on offense. Got to tip your cap to the Warriors just because of the dynamic shooting. Uh, defensively, got to go Boston simply because their ability to switch one through five with six or seven of their main rotation guys is, is something that is just invaluable in this matchup. 
Golden State is, is going to want to pick and roll. They're going to want to get their shooters on the matchups, scores in the matchups that they want to exploit. And the Celtics are going to be just fine. They're going to be have no issues switching even in those small ball lineups. They'll switch one through five and have no issues about it whatsoever. So I don't know if I can say the same for Golden State. And for that reason, I, I got to lean Boston, which has been the better team defensively, especially since the new year. Oh, yeah. And, and I think Golden State, they are the second best defensive team in the league. But Boston, I think they're the second best defensive, one of the best defensive teams we've seen in a long time. So I, I just think there's a gap there. Mm-hmm. Yep. I 100% agree. Now, Squid, give me your X factors for each team. What's the, what's the, who is going to be the X factor for Boston? Who is going to be the X factor for the Golden State Warriors in this series? Yep. Uh, for the Celtics, it's Al Horford, and for the Golden State Warriors, um, oh, it's I think it's Clay Thompson if he can hold up defensively. Mm. I think he's gonna, like I said earlier, I think how much he can handle, how many minutes he can handle is, is going to be key, and because he's going to be worked on offense, uh, or for, from his perspective, defensively, the Celtics are probably going to test him early and often to see if he can hang. And if, if he can, then that's a huge get for the Warriors. But if he, if he becomes anything remotely close to a liability on defense, I mean, you're looking at not too many options for Golden State to throw at the Jays and any other offensive threat that emerges for the Boston Celtics. So, I, I mean, I, I think... I think that's what you, you got to lean on. I, I think uh, that's a good X factor for the Warriors. I, I think if I had to choose one, I think it would actually be Draymond Green just because he just seems to be the table setter for this team. He's, he's the mood setter. The, he is the vibe of the Golden State Warriors. He doesn't do a heck of a lot in terms of stuffing the stat sheet but it's the little things that he does that don't necessarily show up in the box scores that are going to really impact this series. Obviously, we know how great of a defender Draymond Green is. We know how vocal he is on the court as a leader, but is is his mouth going to get him in trouble? Is he going is is his is he going to go out of control, get himself do something stupid that gets him suspended for a game? We've already seen him do that in a finals and that cost ended up being very costly for that series. So uh, he's, he's a wild card to me. And for that reason, he would be my X factor in this series, because if you get a Draymond green that is locked in focused and is on point, that just, that, that might just put the golden state warriors off over the top. If they get the kind of shooting that we expect from them, if for the Celtics, I, I've, I've been kind of bouncing back and forth between, like you said, Al Horford and Marcus Smart. I think if you get an Al Horford like you did in the Milwaukee series, who was just unconscious for a couple of games, 
and was looked to be possessed by the basketball gods. I think that could just be huge, but I think ultimately, I think the biggest X factor has to be Marcus smart. How healthy is he? How healthy can he stay for the entirety of the series and how well can he guard Stephen Curry? He has done a remarkable job of doing that over the years. I believe over the past handful of years, he's actually held Curry to just under 30% shooting as the primary defender, which is like second best in the league for any defender. I don't know who, who is number one off the top of my head, but I know that he is number two. So with enough Delvin Dova, probably, honestly, it probably is him, but off, off the, with enough um, matchups, I, I don't know who qualified as number one, um, but smart has done a remarkable job when given the chance to stop, to slow down and limit Steph Curry from getting hot. If you can get that to carry over into this series and you limit Curry to maybe 20 points a game, but he needs like 25 shots to get it. And he's not getting that from the free throw line. I think that's huge because then you've, you forced the warriors to look to clay Thompson and Jordan Poole to get, to, to really carry the load offensively. Can, can clay Thompson hold up? as the number one scorer, if smart is able to contain uh, Curry, if, if, if Thompson's not able to do that, can Jordan Poole step up and be that guy on the stage? He's been inconsistent at times as elite as he has been during his breakout campaign this year. So I, I think if Marcus smart being able to be healthy, stay healthy and how he's able to play defensively because offensively I'm I'm guessing he's going to get his some of some of the games it will won't be efficient and it'll be the usual uh why is he shooting four shots in a row and making one why why is he shooting three threes in a row and breaking all of them but then there will be the other ones where he's hitting three threes in a row where he has those stretches where he is hot and driving to the basket lowering his shoulder lowering his head and just diving to the bucket, putting up eight, those eight foot floaters after he creates space, and you're you're not questioning anything that he does. Um, but I really and, and, go ahead. And I think I, I think there's a chance Smart can post up in the series. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I think he's able to you know put him in the low block and say, "Hey, Steph Curry, you're not going to stop me." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really just think from a Celtics perspective, Marcus Smart has to be the key because if he does not have it or if he is not able to contain Steph Curry, I don't know how you're going to have to rearrange the matchups. You're going to have to toss one of your bigger bodies, whether it be one of the Jays on him or you bring somebody off the bench to attempt to do so, whether it's Derek White. And then that that create could create some some issues in and of itself. Uh, so I, I, I really think Marcus smart is, is gotta be the X factor for the Boston Celtics. I've got one other X factor for you. Uh, and it's, I mean, if Robert Williams is healthy, he's going to dominate Kevon Looney. 
Like, I'm seeing a lot of Kevon Looney hype. Like, he's like a cornerstone center for the Warriors all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, the reason they drafted James Wiseman was because they didn't have a center. And they, like, they just played freaking Maxi Kleba as a starting center. And Dwight Powell, like, that's not good for a starting center for a team. And the Grizzly series, Steven Adams, like, eh. Like, they they just played two bad centers that allowed Kevon Looney to get some offensive boards. But, like, if Robert Williams is somewhat athletic, he is going to destroy him and Draymond. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even close. I mean, I don't understand where, like, maybe I'll eat my words, but I just don't think Looney's the guy that's going to really limit Dre, uh, Robert Williams. And that's going to be a huge advantage. He can just stay on the offensive boards, block shots, not let anyone get in the paint, and just catch those lobs over the top of them all series long. Mm-hmm. And you saw, we saw what he was able to do in limited fashion when he was healthy on the court against the Heat. There was that one sequence. I forget which game it was. I'm pretty sure it was in Miami. Uh, maybe it was it was game six in Boston. I, I'm not 100% sure. But literally, Robert Williams swatted or altered three straight shots on the defensive end. Ultimately, it resulted in a jump ball at one point. But in... Williams kind of limped off the court. looked like gassed, exhausted, like his knees were definitely feeling it. But that's the kind of impact he can have if he is, is feeling himself. So if, if you can get him to be anywhere near 100% for this series and not have him plagued by his knee injury, I, I think you're 100% on the money. He could definitely have an impact and kind of swing this series into the Celtics' favor. Uh, just by his matchup alone. I mean, and, and the Heat had Bam Adebayo, who's a very good defender and a decent offensive player. Come on, Looney's nowhere near that. Like, Robert Williams could dominate him. Yeah. yeah that's That might be an understatement. All right, Squid, let's talk keys for each team. I know, we, I know it's kind of, kind of parlaying the X factor in a way, but when you look at each team, what does what do they really ultimately need to do to win this series here? What what do the Warriors need to do? What is that one or three, however many keys you think it is for the Warriors to win the series? And what do you think the keys are for the Celtics to win this series? Absolutely. I mean, I so first off, I think that for the Warriors perspective. They need someone that's not Steph Curry to get going on offense because our focus is going to be on Curry defensively, and we're probably going to do a good job on him, which means Clay, who's going to be just absolutely mobbed when he ever gets the ball on three, and Jordan Poole, who has taken advantage of some bad defenders the last few series, but he's not going to get that against Derek White. Like, someone else has to step up for them offensively, and I don't know if that's going to be able to happen to, completely, to be completely honest with you. I just think they're not going to, they're going to face a defense that they haven't seen yet, and that's going to be troubling for them. Um, so they just need someone else to get going on offense. And then on the other side, Boston, they really, really, really need to control the pace of play. They cannot play in the Golden State's hand and let Golden State get out and get running because that is what, when Golden State is best. Steph Curry goes crazy from three. Clay Thompson goes crazy from three when they're getting wide open threes in the transition. You have to keep this a half-court game because if you keep this half-court, we are going to dominate the series. If not, Golden State will dominate the series, and I really don't think there's much in between. Mm-hmm. So I think the big thing for Golden State to win this series is going to be the turnover battle. And I like to say this a lot, 
in when we talk football on this show, but I think in this series, we've seen both teams kind of let turnovers get the best of them at times. Golden State has had just because of the offense that they run, it's just it's in the uniqueness of it is in how many how much backdoor cutting and 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 just how much ball movement there is and shooting, jump shooting, perimeter play. The turnovers do rack up with their pace of play. Uh, they aver- they are averaging about 15 turnovers per game in the playoffs, which is fifth worst of the 16 postseason teams. And that has been parlayed by their opponents into 16 points a game. Uh, but it's really been eccentrified in their losses. When in their four losses in the postseason, they've turned the ball over on average over 16 times a game. And that gets parlayed into almost 21 points per game for their opponents. And that, that, that number is, is third and fifth most uh, respectively in the postseason. But when they're winning, they cut those numbers down to 14 turnovers a game for 14 points, which is at respectable. They move into the, the top half of the playoff teams for those categories. So, for the Warriors, if they can win the turnover battle or at least keep it close, I think that's going to that's gonna be a huge get for them. But if, if the Celtics force them into an absurd amount of turnovers, say, I don't know, 20, 24 turnovers, like that one game the Celtics had, uh, I think that could be huge. But if the Warriors are able to force the Celtics into a bunch of turnovers consistently in this series and – the Celtics aren't able to, to force way more than them. I, I think that that screams advantage warriors for the Celtics. I think it's as simple as win a road game. And the Celtics have been fantastic on the road for some reason in this postseason. They are well above 500 uh, in this postseason. They racked up multiple wins, uh, on the road in each series so far. And by doing so, they have actually avenged their losses in the previous three postseasons all, all throughout this postseason run. And now, in order to get that championship, they got to take down a reemerging dynasty in the Golden State Warriors. Th- they've been here. They've done that. They're going to want to defend their home court, and they're not going to want to give it up. So if you're the Celtics... Honest to God, it, it's, it seems so just general and straight to the point and nonspecific, but I think it could be honestly the biggest key for the Celtics, and that is win a road game as soon as possible. Because if you let Golden State hold serve at home and go up 2-0, that puts all the pressure in the world on you to hold serve yourself at home and not let Golden State take one from you in Boston. So... I really think that the Celtics have to find a way to some way, somehow get a split in this first two in Golden State. And that is going to be really, really difficult. Absolutely. I mean, they really, really need to win one of these first two games. I think they'll win game two personally, um, but I, they, they, they need to do it. Absolutely. They need to win on the road. 
Mm-hmm. All right. I think I think we've talked enough about kind of the individual matchups. I, I think we can talk about the style of play a little bit more uh, before we give our series predictions. So I, I've we've touched on it a little bit, Squid. We I know we know how the Celtics like to approach defense. They will basically switch everything. And Golden State offensively has not seen anyone that's really done that or done that to the level of success that the Boston Celtics can and will. So with the way that the Warriors want to play stylistically on offense and the way that the Celtics defensively line up, how do you see that matchup playing out? Yeah, I mean, 15, that was seven years ago when Golden State started. Build a team that's going to be able to play like Golden State and beat Golden State, which is so crazy to think. And we thought we'd see a finals between these guys sooner. We haven't, and it's finally here. And we're built to beat them. We are. We built our team to be switchable to one through five can change. And that is what Golden State can do because of Draymond Green. And now that is what the Boston Celtics can do because of Al Horford and Marcus Smart. And obviously the the great wings we have. Um, I just, you know, that when I say the Celtics need to play their style of basketball, they need to dominate on the defensive end. And they need to get, they need to be locked in defensively. Because if they lock in defensively, that's going to stagger Golden State and the offensive looks will come. I know we're not a natural offensive team. I think we'll be a little more natural this series versus the series against the Heat because the Heat's defense, like I said, they get up into you more where the Warriors kind of just try to bait you into taking bad shots. I just think the Celtics are going to be able to, like every time we play them, it's a great, bat. it's such pure basketball. If you ever watch Celtics Warriors, it's always super pure basketball, great passing. Like it's amazing. It's poetry in motion. And I think that's what it needs to be here. And I, I just think Boston needs to control the pace of the game. They need to play defense. You know, there's going to be games that Golden State controls for sure, but there's got to be games Boston also controls. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like you can't let their experience of being in the finals so many times get to you here, and you just have to act like you've been there before and control the game and not play into their hand. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I really think that when you – it's interesting to note that the Celtics – are the only team that actually hold a winning record against Golden State during the Steve Kerr era as head coach of that Warriors team. Uh, A a lot of the media is, I think, going with the Warriors to find a way to win this series. But a lot of, like, the the random – I don't want to say random, but, like, the the computers, the stats – they all seem to favor the Celtics, uh, and may, that I don't think that should be entirely discounted, because they've really shown with the path that they had to to play through between the Nets, the Bucks, who are the defending champions, no less, and the Heat, who were Eastern Conference champions just two years ago. Yes, they did have to. They did have a little bit of an advantage from an injury perspective in the last two rounds. The Bucs had no Chris Middleton for the entire series. Lowry, Butler, Tyler Hero, all hampered by injuries. But you can say the same to an extent with Boston as guys like Marcus Smart and Robert Williams just became more battered and bruised, had to miss 
game here, a game there. You also missed Horford for a game in the Eastern Conference Finals as well as Derek White. Um, so the Celtics haven't had their own injury or uh, roster issues in this postseason run as well. But I think that the the real – another thing that has to be a concern for Boston is their late game offense when they have a lead. This is where they just the, – the old Celtics that you and I, Squid, just love to hate resurfaces. They just – they seem to just forget how to play the style of offense that they have for the first – however many minutes of the game and in those final few minutes when they're trying to nurse a lead or hold it, they play not to lose instead of playing to win. And if they try and do that, if they hold that kind of mentality in this series, golden state will carve them up in late game scenarios, regardless of how close the score is. So the Celtics have to play, like you said, a full 48 minutes. There can be, no extenuated lapses where you let Golden State go on 15 to two runs. You can't let them, you cannot take 13 point leads late in the fourth quarter and let a team get within a shot of taking the lead altogether with under a minute to go. You can't have that against a team of this championship caliber. So the Celtics are going to have to be on their point, whether it's from the get-go or at late game scenarios, they have to be who they are offensively from start to finish. There cannot be any any just change of mentalities, just be, whether or not you're holding a lead or not. Late game situations, and, and I and I think that's actually mental. It's not it's not something that where they get worn down. I just think it's that the Celtics got beat in the bubble a couple of years ago. They thought they were ready, and they just doubted themselves for the past two years every time a big moment came up they just didn't have that self-confidence that they would be able to close it out by being themselves and now that they have staggered this hill they've gotten over the hump of not being able to beat the heat or get to the finals after losing a couple conference finals in their career i just think they're going to be playing with house money they're like hey we proved ourselves that we're good enough to be in the nba finals and i think they're going to play loose now i don't think it's like i just feel like they listen to the media so much at a current age where they're just like you know Maybe we aren't that good. You know, if we lose, they're going to call us chokers and they just play nervous. Now that they're in the NBA finals, they're going to play free. And I personally think they're, you're going to see a different Celtics team this series because they're no longer playing nervous. Like they're going to try to get broken up because they love playing with each other. It's going to be, no, we are that team and we made it here. And our, our visions of being in the NBA finals and being NBA legends are coming true. Now it's just the idea of like executing. And I think they are plenty good at that. Mm-hmm. And, th- and there's another thing that the Celtics also need to make sure that they do in this series, and that is limit second-chance opportunities. With a, When you're going up against an offense with the kind of all-time shooting from guys of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and plenty of other shooters across the board that the Warriors have to throw at you, you cannot be defeated on the defensive boards. You cannot let the Warriors kill you on the offensive glass. Get get open look, second chance, three kick out threes for any of their shooters and let them get into any sort of rhythm. Uh, you've got to hold them to as many one-shot possessions as humanly possible in this series. 
And we've seen that at times they have struggled to, to maintain themselves on the defensive glass. It's been few and far between, but it has reared its face at times. And usually it is very untimely when it happens and the other team capitalizes. So that's going to be another thing that I'm going to be watching for is how many second chance opportunities are the Golden State Warriors able to get and how many are they able to capitalize on? Yeah, it's a key factor for sure. And then I think the last thing that I want to bring up before we kind of get into our series predictions is the small ball lineups. Uh, I know we've kind of uh, joked about it before. The uh, I think it's the super small pool party group that the Warriors like to roll out. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and now with Jordan, the emergence of Jordan Poole, I'd throw him in with Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, and Green. Nobody on the court is taller than 6'9", and they're all basically no more than small forward, maybe point forward at best. Um, but they have but four guys who can all shoot the ball or score lights out and a facilitator in Draymond Green who can drive and kick and set up his teammates, whether he's got the ball or he's off ball screening for his teammates. How the Celtics approach some sort of death, death lineup or small ball pool party group, whatever you wish to call it, is also going to be really interesting. Are, they, are the Celtics going to downsize and are they going to kind of limit the amount of top minutes that Robert Williams and Alf Horford go against those kind of lineups or are they going to try and go small themselves or are they going to stay true to themselves and say, no, you're not going to alter our, our strategy, our game plan. We're going to force you to alter yours by staying true to who we are. And I think that's going to be huge for them is whether or not they have to downsize to match up with golden state in a, in a small ball off basically, or if they can maintain the kind of rotations and matchups that they've been doing where they prefer to stay big with two of Al Horford, Grant Williams, Robert Williams on the floor at most times, obviously foul trouble has forced them out of certain of that at times, but and it's court, those small ball lamps that the Celtics have trotted out have done well. I believe they're actually plus 26 when Al Horford is the only big on the floor of those three that I mentioned. So, but the problem is they really haven't used either of the Williams in the lone big role. So you really don't know what you're going to get from the Celtics in those situations. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how the teams kind of match up and adjust to each other. Absolutely, and I, and I I weirdly think there's an advantage for Boston with that death lineup. Um, Boston's death lineup, it, I think, will be Smart, White, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and that's pretty small itself. But that and that's super versatile because all five of those guys can defend their asses off. But they, all five of those guys can score the ball as well. And at that point, that lineup is so much bigger than Golden State's death lineup. Like, go player to player. That lineup is bigger than Golden State's death lineup. And I think that's dangerous for Golden State. Like, I just don't – I don't know if, if their death lineup is going to be able to – I mean, Horford's bigger than Draymond. Mm-hmm. Tatum's bigger than Wiggins. 
Brown's bigger than, uh, I guess they're Thompson and Brown are probably similar size, but he's way more athletic and can get way higher in the air. Uh, White's bigger than Poole and Smart and Carter are similar size, but Smart is way stronger and bulkier. It's just, I just think they're going to overpower them with length and size when it comes down to those crunch time minutes. I just, that's why I love the matchup for Boston. That's why Boston, quite frankly, is the best team at beating Golden State. Mm -hmm. And for the Warriors, another thing that I'm going to be watching for them is how they protect the paint and whether or not they can stay out of foul trouble. Uh, they are one of the more foul-prone teams in the league. I think a lot of that be just happens to be because the perimeter defense isn't as great when you're undersized, as you mentioned, Squid. So that allows teams to kind of get past that first line of defense on the perimeter, get into the paint and attack and draw fouls. Um, and you also see a little bit of handsiness from guys like Steph Curry who are trying to pick your pocket. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, so that's that's going to be key to see too. Is can is Boston going to be able to get to the line at will because they're just bigger of their their size just is is just a little too much for the Warriors to handle, or are are the Warriors going to be able to clamp down on drives and force the Celtics to be a a jump shooting team? And if they are able to do that, obviously I think that favors the Warriors to a degree, because if you, we're going to do a jump shooting, uh, if we're going to just have a, a battle of jump shooting teams, you obviously are going to pick the team that has the greatest shooter of all time in Steph Curry. So I, I think that's another key match, key thing for the Warriors in this one is whether or not they can lock down defensively, tighten things up in the paint. And how they choose to do that is going to be interesting. Are they going to run... Are they going to mix in some zone, some matchup zone? Are they going to do a box and one and just say, whoever is the hottest player on the court right now for the Celtics, we're just going to just play deny defense with Draymond and have everyone else sit in kind of a box zone. It, it's going to be interesting to see because Steve Kerr is not afraid to, to, to experiment with anything. And we've seen that. So I, I think they're going to dare the Celtics to kill them from the outside like other teams have in the past. And they're, they're not going to be afraid to make adjustments on the fly. If their initial game plan strategies don't work, they're not going to, they're not going to be afraid to kind of bail to a degree and adjust on the fly. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it, it's going to be key if golden state can keep Boston out of the paint. It, it, it really is. I just, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to. I just – Draymond Green is a good defender, especially on the perimeter. But when it comes to, like, there's no – I don't really think there's shot blockers in there. Tatum and Brown are going to get to the rim at will. Mm -hmm. I truly believe so. But, you know, I just don't see – I don't see a way Golden State can make it a shooting series. I just don't. They might, they might shoot way better than Boston from the perimeter, but I just think Boston's going to get whatever they want in the paint. I really yeah. do. And, and part of that is going to, to rely on the Celtics being aggressive. We've seen them at times where they get kind of stifled in the paint and then they just start settling for jump shots or they just start looking to create three point look, open three-point looks and not even really attempt to, to attack downhill 
towards the basket. They get away from that at times. It, it, they, they cannot be deterred from attacking the basket in this series. Oh, they, keep they, going. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to keep attacking, drawing fouls, racking it up. Yes. Inevitably that will result in some offensive fouls along the way. But if, if you can stay out of foul trouble with yourself and you can continually attack, drive, kick, create all sorts of opportunities in that manner, I think you're much better off doing that than trying to just do pick and rolls on the perimeter, pick and pops and, and try and just create threes outside or long twos outside on the perimeter and not even attempt to, to crack the paint. I know the Celtics don't really have a, a low post threat and a lot of their post up opportunities comes from guys like Brown and Tatum, just posting up mismatches off of screens and switches, but you're going to need to just attack downhill uh, and drive kick, get to the free throw line. Cause if you don't, and you, you let yourself become one dimensional, I assure you the warriors will not let that uh, go easily. Trust me. And, and absolutely. And if you look the last two rounds in Milwaukee, they had Giannis and Brooke Lopez who are both just absolutely massive. And it was pretty tough for Boston to get to the rim. And then you have Miami. Bam Adebayo is a great shot blocker. Plus, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler are two of the best guys at not letting you get into the paint. Mm-hmm. It just It's to a point where I think Boston's going to get into the series and be like, holy shit, I can go to the rim. And it's just something they couldn't do before. And I'm, I think they're going to be a little shell-shocked by it at first, how easy they're going to get to the rim. And that's going to create a lot of open looks. I'm not saying Golden State's a bunch of schmucks and they can't play defense. Mm-hmm. I just think they play defense in a different way where Boston's really going to be able to get to the rim in the series. And they're going to be able to take advantage of Smart posting up, Horford posting up, Tatum in the mid, you know, the turnaround mid-range, mid, mid, mid-range using his, uh, you know, maybe some fadeaway, drop step moves, Jalen Brown just driving, slashing, uh, Derek White getting to the hoop, Grant Williams pump fake on the, from the corner, getting to the hoop. It's, I, Peyton Pritchard can get to the hoop. I just, I think it's going to happen this year. I think we're going to get to the hoop. And if Boston can successfully keep doing that without trying to play hero ball, I think there's a path for them to win the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree, but it, it's a matter of, of mindset and not being deterred from the mindset that they need to maintain on the offensive end. Uh, so one last thing I want to hit on before we finally give our predictions for this series. I think we would be remiss if we did not give Ime Udoka some big time credit for the turnaround he has made to get this team from where they were at the start of the calendar year to where they are now. The difference is just otherworldly. And for him to do this in year one, his first ever year as a head coach in the NBA, uh, it, it, it should not be, she, it, 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 you cannot speak enough, highly enough of the job Udoka has done. He figured it, it took some time, but it, he ultimately figured out what needed to work. The guys that he needed to, to roll out with. He figured out the roles and now you've got a team that has finally cracked that gra- that glass ceiling of the conference finals, gotten past it, and now has a chance to win a championship NBA finals series uh, and ultimately banner 18. Uh, so Squid, give me, before we get up, give our picks, anything you'd like to say about the job Ime Udoka has done this year with the Boston Celtics? 
I mean, unbelievable. If you, if you uh, like to read or under like things behind the scenes, please go read Jackie McMullen's uh, uh, article about Ime Udoka yesterday. It is unbelievable. I mean, she, she talks about how Ime's upbringing and pretty much how he was super poor. He got hit by a car and learned to be super gritty at a really young age and pretty much like the shitty situations he dealt with throughout his whole life. And it's like pretty much like not being able to know what's on, on the table for food the next day to now being a coach of the NBA has really shaped him into who he is as far as like a guy that's resilient. Um, and that's showing with the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics were kind of a soft group before he got there. And Ime has kind of turned them into junkyard dogs. They, they lose and they come back the next, the next night and kick your ass. And that's what the Boston Celtics have been. And that's mainly because of Ime Udoka. I mean, he will go into these film sessions and rip them apart. Like there's a, there apparently she was like Robert, they, they, they were, Ime took each turn, got like a 10 minute session of them just getting abs, like making stupid decisions straight and just ripping them apart in front of the whole team and embarrassing them. Like he, Ime Udoka has turned these guys around and these guys buy into what he has to say. And that's truly incredible. And we're lucky to have him because it was a thing that Brad Stevens wasn't able to do. Mm-hmm. And we, I'd also be remiss if we didn't also respect what Steve Kerr has done with his group. Yes, he's working with the greatest shooter of all time, several, multiple times, uh, all-stars, of, of course. But for him to get this team to where they are, they've managed their minutes. They, they've had to, they've had, before the playoffs, I believe their starting five had played about nine minutes together all season. And for them to be able to figure out, I, I know that they've played several years together. And so it wasn't going to take much time, but for him to be able to piece things together, get the Warriors to be in a position of where they are back in the championship mix and then just effortlessly seemingly cruise through the playoffs, albeit maybe not the, as difficult matchups as they may have anticipated. But that being said, you you also have to give credit to the Warriors for handling their business and for Steve Kerr for doing the job that he's done with that group, developing the guys that they have into role players on the bench, turning Jordan Poole into an elite scorer off the bench for them and a, 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 a certified number three option for them. Um, and and going out and, and just doing what they need to do with the guys that they have, they've They've just turned things around in a very short period of time from going from the number one, having the number one pick uh, a year or two ago to now being quickly back in the championship discussion. So with all that being said, Squid, let's finally give our series predictions. Who do you have winning this series and in how many games? The floor is yours. Yeah, it's a tough choice to make right now. Uh, there's two ways I can see this going. Um, if you told me the Celtics lose the series in five or six games, I wouldn't be surprised at all because they might run out of steam. They've played two seven-game series in a row, and they might be banged up and hurt. Uh, it sucks to say, but it might be the case. Um, but I don't think that's going to matter too much because we got a couple days off. Uh there's some time in between these games, and I think this thing's going seven no matter what. I just do. The basketball is going to be so pure. It's going to be an awesome series to watch. We've made it through a rough postseason of not close games to be rewarded with maybe what I think is going to be one of the best NBA finals ever as far as just 
swings and games and just fun basketball. I mean, I'll be less mad if we lose this series than I will be the any of the past few series because there's no shame in losing the Golden State Warriors. But in all reality, I think the Celtics, uh, the Celtics being able to get to the rim in the defense coming through is going to be what wins the series for the Boston Celtics in seven games. I think Jason Tatum is going to have an absolute masterclass. He was built for this moment. He, I mean, back looking at his rookie year, dunking on LeBron and hitting those threes to keep that game seven alive and just absolutely going off, taking that game over for a little bit there. All the way to now, every time, every single time, you know, it's a gotta have it shot. It seems like it goes in for Tatum. And like that, like the game six against Milwaukee in Milwaukee to keep the season alive. Mm-hmm. So who who do you have in and how many games did you say? In six. Celtics. Sorry, in sorry. Six. Celtics in seven games. Sorry. And okay. I think. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, my bad. No, go ahead. Celtics in seven. Yeah. Celtics in seven, and I, and I just think Tatum Tatum's going to answer the call over and over and have the best series of his life because he's ready for it. Mm-hmm. Dude, okay, so I 100% agree, and I went out and I've already made bets. Jason Tatum is going to have a 40-point game in this series, at least one, and the Celtics should win the series. That has some pretty decent odds if you want to make some money off of that. Just go ahead. You can thank me later. But – Ultimately, my heart says Celtics in seven. 100% agree with you. My brain says Warriors in six because of the championship pedigree and the experience. They're more well-rested and they have home court. So I, I, am, I am just torn apart on this one. Do I go with what my gut or do I go with what I think makes the most sense? And I think at the end of the day, I have to be the Homer and I have to believe that the Boston Celtics are finally ready to take the mantle. They are ready for this moment. Like you said, Jason Tatum was built for this scene for this moment and he will flourish. And I think that ultimately the Celtics will find a way to split the first four games of this series, make it a best of three like they did in the previous two rounds. Maybe they won't hold serve at home and they'll have to win a pair of road games in games five and seven. But I think ultimately that road ex- success is going that they've had over the course of this playoff run is going to carry over into this series. They will get one in golden state out of the first two. Yeah. They'll give up, probably give up home court right back after games three and four, but I think they'll hold serve. Both teams will at home in games five and six and then game seven. Yes. The Celtics will be physically mentally exhausted with a third straight seven game series, but they will have all this recent experience of game seven whereas the Warriors haven't even sniffed a game seven all postseason long. I think that actually would tilt in the Celtics' favor. And for that reason, if this goes seven, I actually like Boston to win a title in Golden State. That's when they turn the water off. It's, it's they get to game seven, and that defense is too, too much. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it's going to be. They're going to turn the water off. That's, you know... 
coaches like to say it, it's you clamp down. You don't let your guy beat you. You lock them down on the defensive end. We are going to see Celtics do that in game seven of the NBA finals. I'm just, I know it. I'm so confident. And I'm so confident in Jason Tatum being finals MVP and just having multiple 40-point games, maybe a 50-point game in there. I think he's going to go crazy. I really do. Um, lastly, I think there's a sucker bet in Vegas. Vegas knows the Celtics are – I know Vegas knows the Celtics are a better team, but they're putting that Golden State line out there of plus 130 or plus 150, whatever it is. I think it's because there's a national narrative that Golden State's this, like, San Antonio Spurs, like, oh, they're a dynasty. They've got been here a couple of times. They're so dominant. It's like this is not the same Golden State team that when Kevin Durant was there. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not. They're good. They have two of the best shooters ever. It's not the same team. And I think it's a sucker bet. I think I think Vegas wants you to bet on Golden State up so they can take all your money. Yeah. And honestly, it's not even the same team as the pre-Kevin Durant one. The, it's not the same iteration of the team that won the title in 2015 without Durant before he so eloquently jumped ship to the rival, the enemy. Um, but you you look at it and – this is a, a different team, different version of the Golden State Warriors in 2022 than those previous two versions. And I, while I, I do believe they are still built to win a championship, I just, I got to go with my heart. I got to go with the Homer vibes. I, I, if, if this isn't the Celtics year, I, I honestly don't know when, man. I, I, everything has just fallen into place. They've overcome everything to this point. I, I just think it's their time. And I, I 100% agree with you. I feel like Tatum's going to be the guy in this series, but I think he's going to need some help along the way. And you're going to need big performances from Jalen Brown. You're going to need other guys to step up on Every once in a while, you're going to need a big game from Al Horford. You're going to need a 20 and 15 from him. You're going to need Marcus Smart to drop 25 on an efficient shooting game and have him just harass Steph Curry across an entire series for the most part. You're going to need Grant Williams to have an efficient shooting from three and play some very tough defense. You're going to need Derek White to continue playing like he did at the end of that conference final series. You're going to need the best possible version of everyone. But if you can get enough clutch for playing at just the right time, that might just be enough. So absolutely, I'm going to roll Celtics in seven, baby. C's in Let's seven. Go. Let's uh, go, baby. Well, I think that's going to do it, Squid. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? No more thoughts from me. I'll see you on the other side on the parade. Yes, sir. We will see you all on the other side indeed. So for Anthony Squid Gabriel, I am Ryan Brown. We will see you on the other side. Game one of the NBA Finals tonight against the, the Golden State Warriors. Let's go seize. <laughs>